On what Jesus can do for you this Christmas, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. He wants to rescue you from mediocrity, from misery. That's why Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins, to bring forgiveness and the removal of guilt and shame from our lives, that we might be able to then savor life and enjoy it to its fullest, to understand its value, enjoying the virtue of life, the value of relationships. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Merry Christmas. We hope you're having a wonderful day celebrating Jesus and his coming to this earth. Today on Abounding Grace, we take you to Luke chapter 2 and recall just a part of the Christmas story. Now, before we get into that, Pastor Ed is with me in studio. And Merry Christmas to you, my friend, as well as Marie and the kids. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Larry. We are so blessed to be alive in these last days and so grateful for the birth of Jesus Christ. Pastor Ed, I'm sure like many of us, you've given and received quite a number of gifts with loved ones over the years. Is there a particular memorable one that you received maybe as a kid? Well, Larry, one of the joys that I have during Christmas time and really throughout the year, but really Christmas time is giving of gifts. I, I agree with Jesus personally that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But over the years, I've received a lot of great gifts, a lot of thoughtful gifts. Uh, when I think back to what I've received, really as much of the, much of the love that was demonstrated in a gift from my wife or, or from my kids, I can think of a couple. One was uh, a gift that Marie gave to me. She actually gave it to me and my oldest son, Eddie, who's in heaven right now. And that was tickets. He, she gave us plane tickets, tickets to the game, and even a car to drive us there and back to the Rose Bowl in 2009, I think the year was. And Eddie and I traveled to the Rose Bowl. He had to get back because he was, uh, he was working uh, with the Colorado Highway Patrol, uh, and he couldn't stay longer than just the game. So we flew in for the game and then flew right out after the game. And it's one of my favorite pictures of my son. Uh, I have very, very fond memories of that game. And, and of course, USC won that game, and it was just an amazing thing. I mean, I could think of many gifts, but that comes uh, to the top. Um, a lot of thoughtful gifts. But on top of even that, a special time with my son, uh, I am grateful uh, to be given the gift of salvation because life wouldn't be the same. And that's the gift that God has given to me personally. Uh, and you could call it a Christmas gift because he gave the birth of his son, Jesus, but really it was a life gift because I believe, and as I share with our church here, Christmas is a great day, but because we don't know the day that Jesus was born, and most likely it wasn't in December uh, in the cold, uh, we know that um, the gift of Jesus was given, and it's the gift that it gives all year round, every single day. I was blind, but now I see. Um, I was dead, but now I'm alive. And everything that I am, 
and everything that I have and everything that I enjoy uh, is, is because of the finished work of the cross by Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So when I think of gifts, there's a lot of great gifts that have come and gone through the Christmas season by friends and family, and I, I appreciate them all, uh, but the reality is, is that I appreciate the gift of salvation, which has solidified my marriage for 30 years, uh, given me a beautiful, wonderful family to enjoy and a church family to be a part of. So thanks for asking, Larry. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Merry Christmas to you, Matt, and the whole production team. Merry Christmas to you, Kevin, and all of the team here at Grace FM and Abounding Grace Ministries. We're grateful for you. Merry Christmas to everyone that is listening You're a big part of our lives, and we're grateful for you. God bless you. So let's see together now how to open and receive this most beautiful gift of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. Finish this with me if you you know it. Tis the season to be jolly. Jolly. You know what it means? Have you ever looked it up? It literally means to be full of humor and laughter, to smile, that you're not easily angry, that it's easy for you to laugh and be up in your spirits. But have you noticed that around Christmas time, I don't know, not everybody's so jolly around town. Not everybody's so happy. And about this time, the malls are packed, and and maybe even you came with a smile on your face until you came to this parking lot, and you're like, what is going on here? And yet it is a season to be jolly. It is a season to be filled with joy and happiness. You came out today and you grabbed a parking space and you came in and you found a seat and enjoyed the music. Maybe you got in while the kids, weren't the kids amazed? I love your kids. I just love them. You know, some of them are, some of them are brave enough to to grab a solo and stand there. You you don't have any idea the, you know, what you see here is just you look at me, but do you know how scary you guys look? (laughs) And the kids up here looking at, I mean, that is no small thing. For one of your kids to stand here with microphone in hand or to be on a platform, it is not the easiest thing to do. And so we're very grateful that you as parents encouraged them and that they stood here, that now when you leave, if your kids were up here, like encourage them that what they did was a big step, that God has, a, has an a ability to give courage and boldness to us, even at a young age, that you begin to cultivate on your way home and your children this sense of their God's calling on their life and how God wants to use them. And if they could stand here, then they could face anything in this world in the power of Jesus Christ. And if your kids weren't up here and maybe they, you know, chickened out a little bit or they stepped aside, begin to encourage them that next time it'll be okay. And next time they'll have the strength to do it. Because in the world that we're in right now, we need the smiling faces of kids and we need the smiling faces of adults to be able to bring humor and joy into the lives of many. It's a hassled world that we live in. Very difficult. The world that we live in wants to rob us of our joy, steal away from us our happiness in every season, in any season. And this is the season where people begin to lighten up a little bit, and we want to take full advantage of that. You know, at Christmas time, there's a lot of eating, a lot of drinking, a lot of time together, a lot of festivities, but I know this. If you eat and drink from just this world's well, if that's all you draw from is the system of this world, if you don't slow down enough and stop and recognize the beautiful birth of the Savior of the world, the one that offers another well to drink from, one that offers eternal life 
Do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said this, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. That your life would grow in abundance and joy and happiness. Remember the announcement that was made at the birth of Jesus. It's found in Luke's gospel. If you have a Bible, you can open it. There's a Bible in the chair in front of you. We looked at the entirety of this passage over the weekend, but I want to draw your attention just to a few verses as we learn of the beautiful gift that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. In verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, the focus is on these shepherds. They're out in the fields, keeping watch of their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Verse 10. Then an angel spoke to them and said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, toward men. Jesus is the Savior. The Savior. By definition, a Savior is one who rescues, one who redeems, one who preserves, one who protects, or more commonly, one that saves. The Savior came to the world that needs and requires saving. The Bible describes Jesus as the Son of Man that's come to seek and to save the lost. Imagine that. Imagine that God came to seek you out, to save your soul, that there is a deeper, more abiding meaning to life than what you're living right now apart from God. And this world needed a Savior, and God, that's exactly what he sent into this world, the Savior, not a Savior, but the Savior, to redeem, to protect, to save. He wants to rescue you from mediocrity, from misery, That's why Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins, to bring forgiveness and the removal of guilt and shame from our lives, that we might be able to then savor life and enjoy it to its fullest, to understand its value, enjoying the virtue of life, the value of relationships. You know, tomorrow you're going to open, maybe even later tonight, you'll open a lot of gifts, a lot of goods, but tonight God has gifted you, the Savior of the world. And in him, you find everything you need for life and joy and satisfaction. In Jesus, we find hope. In a world filled with hopelessness and difficulty. Perhaps not touching your life, but maybe your neighbor or your coworker. The pain of living in life. This world has lost its mind. So far from God. And yet God extends himself in our direction and says, Here I am. Look to my son. Jesus is real. He was in the womb of Mary. Mary gave birth to the Savior of the world. The Bible says, be of good courage. God will strengthen your heart. Everyone that hopes in the Lord. There's strength and hope. We don't have a hopeless existence with Jesus. In him, there's comfort. Not only that, not only do we find hope in him, but we also have faith. The Bible says that God has given to everyone a measure of faith. The question is, what have you done with the faith that God, who do you believe in? What are you trusting in? Faith has substance. A lot of times, you know, those of us that follow Jesus will begin to share the hope of Jesus with someone and then they'll go, you know, that's just blind faith. 
You're just asking me to take a leap into the darkness. That's not so. Faith has substance. And the value of our faith and belief is as only valuable as the object in which we put it into. Who has your faith today? Where have you placed your faith? Faith has substance and an object. His name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Where is your faith today? The strength of faith is that when you want to give up, our Savior comes in with the very strength to uphold you and carry you through. You know, one of the marks of really every true follower of Jesus Christ is this thing known as endurance. Sometimes we refer to it as perseverance. There's actually a fancy word in the Greek language. You know, the New Testament was actually written in the Greek language. And when we read our Bibles today, it's been translated into English from us. But there's a word that's, that's connected with our English word perse- perseverance. It's the Greek word hupomone. And it comes from two words that means to bear up under the load. The ability to bear up under the load of life and the difficulties that you face. Because I'll tell you what, if you haven't already, you will face something that will be beyond your ability. Like like you could be a millionaire, and there's a situation coming that your millions will not be able to get you out of. Like you could have the reservoir of joy and happiness in your life. You can just be known as the consummate optimist, and that's kind of how you get through life. But I'm telling you, the longer you live in life, you will face a situation where your optimism will not help, where the reality of life will set in. And it's in Jesus Christ that you find not only faith, not only hope, but you also find faith, the ability to persevere, to bear up under the load. That not only is there a future hope of heaven, but the abundance of life can be enjoyed today. You know, in Jesus, we find the true definition of love. That little baby was born to grow up to demonstrate to us what love really looks like. And surprise, it's not the kind of love that we grew up with. Not the kind of love that is projected on the movie screens or sung around in country music. Now, why you're listening to country music, I don't know. I don't understand it. But love's not like that. (laughs) Some of you are so mad at me right now, but at least I got your attention. In Jesus Christ is a true demonstration of love. Can I just share with you for a moment? You can turn there if you'd like, but I'll read to you. There's a point in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that demonstrates real, true love that has been shown to us by that little baby. Listen to what the Bible says. This is the kind of love that everyone longs for, the kind of love that brings belonging, that, that emphasizes substance. Listen, as the Bible describes love in 1 Corinthians 13, it starts in verse four. It says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Doesn't behave rudely. Love doesn't seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now to understand the significance of this description of love, 
I want you to consider putting your own name in the verse in place of the word love. And so what it would sound like is, I'll do it, I'll do it for me, and I'll demonstrate where it says, Ed suffers long. All right, we just close the book right now. <laughs> because I don't live that out perfectly. The next one is, Ed is kind. Now, I like to consider myself a kind person, but not always. Sometimes I'm unkind. Sometimes my life demonstrates just, just the way it is today. Sometimes my life demonstrates a lack of kindness, a lack of perseverance, a lack. You put your name in there, and you would find yourself falling short many times. Why? Because you and I, were not the perfect pictures of love. I would never invite you to say, I would never say, you know what, I've got love, I, I've, got it. I, I've, I've got it. And so if you really want to learn how to love, you follow me. I would never say that to you. But I will say to you that I know one who has love perfected. There's never been a time when he's failed in love. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you put his name into this, Jesus, he suffers long. Jesus is kind. Jesus doesn't envy. He doesn't parade himself. He's not puffed up. He doesn't pervade rudely. You see, Jesus is the perfect demonstration of love in human form. Jesus, he laid down his life for you and for me. We're taught in the Bible there's no greater love than anyone than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You know, Jesus went one step further, and there is a greater love, and that is Jesus laid down his life for his enemies, willingly. He did so in fulfillment of God's perfect plan to draw you to himself. He loves you. The gift of salvation is all wrapped up and ready to be received. The gift of forgiveness. Th think about this for a second. There's been a lot of shopping, a lot of online stuff. You've got lists of people to buy for. Can I ask you a question? What did you buy for people this Christmas that you hate? Getting a little too close, Pastor. I don't hate anybody. <laughs> All right. I'll change it then. What did you buy for people you don't like? Is the list a long one? Did you run out of money? Did Amazon say, no more? You can't buy any more for the people you don't like. We usually don't do anything for the people we're not getting along with. They're usually not on our minds. As a matter of fact, some of you are thinking, I wish you wouldn't even brought that person up, Ed. It's Christmas, bro. Don't be thinking about that. But Jesus, knowing our animosity toward him, we can't just like cover it up and say, well, Ed, I'm not that bad of a person. We're not really speaking about good or bad people. That that's not the, the measure of the measurement that we're using to describe people, we're not talking about, well, you know, some people are good, some people are better, and some people, you know, I'm not that bad. And usually when we're comparing ourselves with others, we'll think of the absolute worst person to compare ourselves with. Because compared to them, anybody's good. So we're not talking like that. We're talking this way. The Bible declares that all of us are bad in this sense, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There isn't one of us that escapes that truth. Not, not only were we born that way, we act that way. 
And so because of that, the Bible describes us as being at odds with God. Animosity against him. Words like rebellious. Words like resistance. Words like disobedient. Those are all used to describe a man, a woman, a boy, a girl that is not in relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. All of us. The Bible says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he came, what he came, what Jesus was born to do was to die so that he might be the one to remove the sin out of the sinner, to decree and declare that you're forgiven and safe in him and that the gift of salvation is available to you tonight for free, for free. God is knocking on your heart right now asking for a response. You've heard this before, the message of God's love and salvation, and yet you're being reminded of it one more time. Why? So that today might be the day you finally surrender and stop resisting. How long will it be? You know, the, there's a part in the Bible where there's a man that by the name of Elijah, he looks out at these guys that were not worshiping the one true God. And he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you straddle the fence? How long will your relationship with God be a couple of church attendances a year? How long? What will it take to bring you to the place of acknowledging your creator? Whatever it takes, God will go there with you. But why? Jesus put it this way. He said, he who isn't with me is against me. Have you ever considered the state of your life being against God? That's a heavy concept to accept. Because you might be, you might be describing your life, well, you know, not today, and oh, you know, maybe next time, and I'm not a bad person, but Jesus didn't give us those options. He basically gave us the option, you're either for me or you're against me. And I know so many of us have turned away from our sins. We've repented and we're following God. And I can say to you today that I am, I am not against Jesus Christ. My life is dedicated to following him. That he literally rescued. He, he is the epitome of a savior to me. Not only in the forgiveness of my sins, but Jesus literally saved my human life rescued my family, extended the years of my life of the direction I was going. And so when you think of Christmas and all the gifts and such, listen, there is a gift that's just like laid in your lap today, the salvation of your soul, greater than anything you open, anything you enjoy, where you find hope and faith and true love in that little baby Jesus that grew up who died and rose again the third day so that you and I can have a relationship with the living Lord. Maybe this is a gift you'd like to open and receive this Christmas. There's no better one than that, my friend. As Pastor Ed Taylor said, in Jesus, you have everything you need, and you'll find joy, hope, and satisfaction. We'll be out of the office today, but if you'd like to speak with someone about how it is that you can enter into a relationship with Christ, we'd love to talk to you. Let me give you our toll-free number. It's 
grace. And this is Abounding Grace. Today's special Christmas message is titled, Good Tidings of Great Joy. And it can be heard again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Here in the month of December, we've picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy and get a lot out of. It's called The Case for Christmas. So who was in the manger that first Christmas morning? Not everyone agrees on the answer to that. If he was the divine son of God, how do you know for sure? Well, Lee Strobel investigates in The Case for Christmas, and we'll send it to you when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Please make your request by phone at 877-30-GRACE. Please remember that it's through your support that we're able to bring Abounding Grace to your radio station every day. With your help, countless thousands of people are hearing the truth of God's Word all over the nation and world. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE, or you can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. On behalf of Pastor Ed, his wife Marie, and all of us at Abounding Grace, Merry Christmas. Come on back tomorrow when we'll return to Romans. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.